Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated. You are here with Jim Paconin. And I have to tell you, in this episode, Kevin Thole is busy working and could not make it. Today, I have a very special guest. And my guest's name is Dustin. Dustin and I, didn't we meet each other about, what, three and a half, four years ago? Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, introduce yourself to the people listening. I'm Dustin, and I uh, was an addict, and I'm in recovery, and I've been... uh sober now for almost October 19th will be four years. Beautiful. And you are strong in your sobriety, correct? Yeah, I'm strong in my recovery now. It took a long time to get there and a lot of work. It did. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how life was in your addiction? Then we'll talk about when you and I met and the coaching that we did. And then I want you to share how life has been for roughly the last three years. So go ahead. Tell us about life in your addiction. Life in my addiction was, you know, I was, I thought I was a normal citizen. I just bought a home. I uh, have two boys and a wife. I uh, went to work every day that I was scheduled to work. I was a coal miner. So I worked uh, night shifts and day shifts. And as I worked the night shifts and day shifts, I would come home from work and drink just so that I could get to bed. As a minor, you know, we work 14 days a month and have 14 days a month off. So I had a lot of free time. And in my free time, I would drink. But I didn't think it was a problem because I was taking care of the family and I was uh, continuing to provide. Every day, my alcohol consumption became more. The person that I was, I hated. I couldn't stand to look in the mirror without grabbing a drink. Like most alcoholics and addicts, I'm sure I played a fair share of using all drugs. Alcohol just was the one that I could get away with because they didn't do drug testing or they did drug testing, but I could drink and uh, still pass a drug test. So I thought I was doing the right thing. So Dustin, when did you reach the low point in your addiction? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I remember that well. I reached that point as, uh, like I said, I was drinking every day off. I guess I wasn't paying attention to what was going on around me because my addiction was more important. As I continued to drink, there was things going on at home with the wife that are not normal. I walked in on her in bed with another man. And as I walked in on that, I had been drinking that night. I lost complete control. I ended up going to jail. And as I was sitting in jail, uh, I was just hoping that I'd get out. They charged me with misdemeanor charge. And as I was sitting there, I sat there for three days. And as I sat there for three days, I walked into the courtroom and they handed me three felony charges and I was unable to know what the outcome was going to be at that time. So what I did is uh, my lawyer was in the courtroom. I pled not guilty. I got out of jail that day, went straight to his office and told him that I needed help. I needed to find sobriety. That was one thing that was missing in my life. 
I really believe that I wouldn't have been in the trouble that I was in if I hadn't been drinking. And then you went to treatment, correct? Yeah. And then I got out on a, a Monday afternoon. And on Thursday, I took a, a flight from Wyoming to uh, Salt Lake and I went into treatment. I didn't know what to expect in treatment. I didn't. But when I showed up, I wasn't ready to be sober. I wanted you and I actually met in treatment. Yes, sir. Do you remember that yes. first time that we met, the first time that you sat in one of my workshops? Because I remember it to this day. I still yeah. remember it so clearly. Oh, yeah. As I went into that workshop that day, I was angry. There was a lot of anger inside of me, and it was just boiling. I closed my eyes and tipped my head back because I had to get rid of the anger somehow. And I remember you asking me about my eyes being closed and telling me that I wasn't paying attention. And I was paying attention. I just had to get rid of that anger. Well, and I remember that so clearly because you sat through the entire workshop with those eyes closed, hanging back. And I actually even believe that your fists were all clenched up. Based upon the yes. body language, my thought was, is that this human was not listening. After we had a conversation, because you came up to me, what amazed me is because you told me that you had so much anger in you that you literally had to close your eyes, put your head back in order to focus on what was being said. And in that moment, I let all of that judgment go. All I had was compassion for you. You seemed yep. to be this amazing man that was doing what he had to do literally to close those voices out so he could potentially hear something anew. I was definitely at a point where I knew I needed help. I just didn't know how to get that help. I was willing to try anything and everything to uh, get through the program to be successful at it. And you went through the program, you went through a number at the time, I believe I was there once a week. So you went through a number of my workshops and then once you went into sober living, you and I began working together. And I, I yeah, uh, as I was sitting in treatment and I'd met with you three or four times, I was coming out of the lockdown treatment and going into sober living. As I was going into sober living, I was coming down the mountain to uh, sober living, and I I was like, I'm not ready for this. I I can't do it. I I was ready to stop at the first convenience store and grab a beer. I knew that was wrong. I knew that's not why I was there. And so I just uh, continued to seek out you or seek out individuals that could help me, support me as I went along my journey because I definitely wasn't where I needed to be at the time. We got permission to work together. And I have to tell you that you were one of the most committed clients. You were so committed, at least in your words. You kept telling me that and the work we did was so deep. And you finally got to that point where I literally saw the shift. You wanted a life of sobriety as opposed to going back to that hell that was your addiction. That's right. And it was so beautiful. That's right. And yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And I, I remember it to this day, going back to my apartment in sober living and just telling myself that there's got to be more to this sobriety life. I have to figure it out. And I was willing to do anything to figure it out. And so as I worked with you and wrote letters and talked with you and did different things, I came to the point where I realized that the most important thing 
for my sobriety would be to commit myself to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that was my Lord and Savior. That was my God. Yes. And that's who I wanted to look to. So you actually found God in recovery. Yeah. At at my darkest days, I I found God. I got on my knees and I was bawling like a baby. You know, I'm a man. I'm not supposed to cry. I'm supposed to be this tough guy. And all I could do was bawl like a baby and beg God for help. And as I did that, I didn't know if I'd done the right thing or if I hadn't. I just knew that I needed God. And so I picked up my cell phone. I called the 1-800 prayer line. And as I called that 1-800 prayer line, no one answered. And so I got the next prayer line, which was the 700 club. And I was on hold waiting for someone to come on to the prayer line to see if I'd asked Jesus into my heart the right way. I had a phone call from Florida come in. And when this phone call from Florida came in, I usually don't answer numbers I don't know. And for some reason, I chose to answer that phone. And when I answered the phone, it was a lady from the prayer line. And she said that God was telling her that she needed to call me. If I didn't want to talk to her, I could hang up. And I said, no. And I went into telling the 61-year-old lady that was on the prayer line with me, my whole life story, my addiction, where my addiction had taken me. She worked with me and she kept on the phone for an hour and a half that night. When she hung up the phone, I knew that something had changed. I stood up and I just felt like a lot of weight had been lifted off of me. And you then literally I got to give all of that weight away to a higher power. Yeah. And when to you a higher did power. that, yeah, to a higher power. And when you did that, you became free to literally create a life that you love. That's right. And as I, as I created that life uh, of the higher power, I spent a lot of time in prayer because that was the only way I knew how to talk to, t- talk to the higher power. I read as much as I could. I started attending churches and stuff to find, to find my God and my higher power. And as I found my higher power, I started to look and realize some things. When you go into a room with addiction and addicts, the ones that had a higher power and were willing to give themselves to their higher power were the ones that were having success. And the ones that chose not to were the ones that were having a hard time and struggling. Recovery is a struggle. And if you're listening to this out there, recovery is most definitely a struggle. And there are many paths to a successful recovery. And what you can hear with Dustin is not only did he choose a path, but he literally committed himself to that path such that Three and a half years later, he is strong in his recovery and his sobriety is, I mean, he's still sober. And let me tell you, that does not mean that you do not have challenges in life, correct? Because you and I talk, we talk about twice a year and every single challenge, and I want to say we worked together for about a year, every single challenge that came up to you, you were able to handle with grace. Correct. Yeah. I I went through a lot. Some of the storms that I went through my recovery, uh, I lost my wife to my best friend. I lost a brand new home that me and her had built. I came back and I ended up with some health problems, a blood clot in my uh, left leg. I got life flighted to Denver, Colorado, and then they life flighted me to the Mayo Clinic they have fixed that problem and are working to get that problem regulated, but I ended up losing my job. So I lost everything. 
I was standing by myself. I had two boys. I was getting to see them, but I'm a full-time dad and I wanted to be a full-time dad. I take a lot of pride in being a dad. Only being there 50% of the time wasn't working for me. That's one of those times that I could have gone to the liquor store or I could have gone and found something to use working with you, just keeping a positive outlook, coaching myself up on working with you as a coach, a life coach. I was able to learn how to talk to myself with positive thinking and positive thoughts. And when times got really rough, I was able to give those things over to my higher power. And as I give those things over to my higher power, I seen those things work out and come to a place where I look at it now probably what I thought was the worst thing that could ever happen to me turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And that came from a heart that wanted it. I wanted to be a dad and I wanted to have those boys in my life. I wanted to be sober and live a sober life. I just hadn't done it. You know, I started using when I was 15 years old. At the time that I was with you, I was 38 years old. And so there was a long span of time that I was an addict. As I continued to go to, uh, I went to a couple of workouts with some people that were in recovery and I did those, I did those things. And actually, as I worked on those things, I brought them back home with me and was able to uh, start a fit to recover class that I put on once a week. And as uh, what, what I do there is I bring people in and ask them how they're doing and just build a friendship and a community. And as I built that friendship in the community, we would work out together for an hour. And when you get done working out, you feel pretty good because you got those endorphins and, and your, your body feels good. And so it's a good time to talk and communicate with others and work through some of the struggles that you're having in the, in the storms that you go through. So you actually became a leader in your community doing a fit to recover there for fellow addicts where you live now. And I really want to, yes, that's, that is so beautiful. And that is one of the ways yeah. being of service is one of the ways that you can strengthen that recovery. And you did and, that wonderfully. Yeah. And I, and I believe that that's one of the strongest parts of my recovery is helping others, reaching out and helping others. Because when you're there helping others, uh, it helps you to become a better, a better self. Absolutely. And as I helped others and help them become a better self. I was performing better and I was becoming the man that I wanted to become. And you are still becoming the man that you want to become. And you're actually That's right. There was a time that you were dreaming of becoming a coach. So I hope one day that dream becomes real for you because your story and your relationship with your higher power and if you're listening to this, higher power can be God, it can be Yahweh, it can be whatever is greater than you that you can give all your burdens to such that you have a clear and clean conscience and you are able then to deepen that sobriety and literally like, accept, and love yourself again because you That's are right. now this incredibly strong person. What and is that, that what like, love, and care about yourself is something that I lacked as an addict. I, I hated myself. I didn't want to be the man that I was. Right. I wanted to run from it. And the only thing, the only escape, escape that I had was alcohol. And right. so to see myself now, three and a half years later, 
knowing that I don't have to go to the liquor store. I don't have to have a drink. I don't have to use a drug. It's awesome. You know, I, I have a lot of pride in it because it's made me a better man. It's made you an incredible man in recovery, an amazing human in recovery. And where do you see your future? I hope to see myself uh, coaching and getting, helping others. I just simply want to help others because I went through a really rough time and going through that rough time, I was able to not turn back and stay sober until your heart finds that higher power and you give it over to the higher power. Sobriety is next to impossible. And as it's next to impossible, 99% of men in my shoes, I honestly believe would either be dead in jail or in rehab at this point in time in their life. I had been to recovery center earlier on in my drinking. I didn't care. I was there because the courts ordered me to. And then I was able to go on my own. And when I got able to go on my own is when I had in my heart to give that over to my higher power. That's brilliant. That is so beautiful. You've been listening to Dustin. Dustin is an amazing example of how recovery can work in your life. The podcast is Sobriety Elevated. We are committed to empowering your recovery and deepening your sobriety. If you like what you've heard, Please share this, especially with your friends in recovery, or if you have people that are thinking about getting sober. Dustin, I want to thank you for the time you took today out of your busy schedule to have a conversation with me and share your life with everybody listening. And for everybody else, we got some really exciting guests coming up. So I want to thank you for listening to Sobriety Elevated, and we will see y'all in the next episode. Goodbye, guys. Thanks for – thanks. Have a good one.